0: Welcome to Hope Survives Podcast. I'm your host, Christabel Braden, a traumatic brain injury survivor and advocate, singer-songwriter, speaker, and creator of Hope After Head Injury. This podcast is all about hope, support, and education as we explore the realities of life with brain injury with messages of encouragement, interviews with doctors and professionals, and survivor stories, So glad that you found us today. No matter where you're at on your journey, there is always hope. Today, we are back with an episode I am so excited about. We are going to be talking about how nutrition can impact brain health, specifically related to brain injuries. I have invited nutrition expert, Bridget Tidjemeyer on the podcast today. She's a functional medicine registered dietitian, nutritionist, and health advocate. She has written a lot of articles, published them for the Cleveland Clinic Health Essentials, Mind Body Green, the Huffington Post, US News and World Report. She has her own website, beingbrigid.com, with her articles and recipes, and she does nutrition coaching. I love following her on Instagram, which is actually where I found out about her. (laughs) But she actually also has her own story with a neurological struggle. She has been able to find hope Through nutrition in helping to improve her life and improve her symptoms. And that's really what started her to be so passionate about nutrition and the way that it impacts the brain. And so today we're going to be discussing the brain and the gut connection, which I didn't even really know about until recently, but. The brain and the gut are super connected. A couple episodes back, Dr. Jeremy Schmoe from the Functional Neurology Center talked about this a little bit. He talked about how the neurons in your gut are connected to your brain. There's a connection through the vagus nerve as well. And so today, Bridget is going to talk about how when you have a brain injury, chronic inflammation is really common, and that can also cause issues with your gut. And troubles with your digestive system. On the other hand, when you have issues with your gut, it can also lead to more struggles with your brain. So it kind of goes both ways. And what I love about this episode and about sharing this information with you is that nutrition is something that we can control. We can take that into our own hands. And you know, when you have a brain injury, life feels like it's spinning out of control. Every part of your life becomes a struggle and it's hard to know what end is up. And especially when you deal with so many brain injury symptoms all the time, headaches, fatigue, overstimulation, light sensitivity, noise sensitivity, vision struggles, your whole world becomes like, Unpredictable. Your whole world becomes like, how do I just get through today? And with that being said, I know that learning about nutrition can also be overwhelming. (laughs) I don't discount that at all. It's overwhelming because when you have a TBI, or if you're a caregiver and your every day is taking care of your survivor. Trying to think about putting meals together can be overwhelming and frustrating. And going to the grocery store is a whole event. (laughs) It is an event, it is a challenge. So, how do we reconcile that? You know, how do we take care of our nutrition and do the things that are healthy for our brain? But at the same time, not get too overwhelmed by all these nutrition facts. I think that it's a balance and it's a process. So I want to encourage you, if you're listening to this today, Bridget's going to share a lot of great information. But don't feel like you have to do it all at once. (laughs) It can be a process. It takes time. We talk about that in the conversation, and she shares some simple meal ideas, including getting frozen vegetables, because frozen vegetables have just as much nutritional content as fresh vegetables, and you don't have to worry about them going bad. And so picking up a bag of frozen vegetables from Costco and having it on hand for your meals or incorporating more berries into your diet, because she's going to share that Berries are higher in antioxidants. And so those are some simple things that you can do that may be a little bit less overwhelming than, you know, going through your whole pantry and taking out all the foods that are bad for you. (laughs) That's too much, too much at once. So I did want to mention that and be sensitive to that. But at the same time, I want to encourage you that nutrition is... It's beautiful because there is something that you can do about your brain injury symptoms when it comes to food. There is something you can do about it. In my personal experience, I recently kind of started my own nutrition journey. And about six months ago, I cut out gluten. I was told over a year before by Dr. Schmo that I should cut out gluten But I wasn't ready to do it yet. I needed time to process and, you know, make some other changes in my food and figure out before I actually felt mentally ready and prepared to try that. My headaches got so bad in the first half of this year that I was like desperate. I was like, I need to do something. And if this is something that's going to help, I'm going to try it. And if it doesn't help, It doesn't help, but I'm going to try it. And in June, I cut out gluten. And here I am about six months later, and I can say honestly, 100% honestly, my headaches and my brain fog have improved so much. (laughs) Like my quality of life has changed since changing my diet. And I had no idea that that could happen. It's brought me hope to realize that. And so I hope this episode is just able to bring you some tools to know, hey, there is something I can do. And you can do it on your own time, at your own pace, but just the information is here for you. And of course, there's so much more than could be said in one podcast episode, but hopefully this is able to help introduce you to some things and encourage you that there's hope in improving the health of your brain through nutrition. So as always, I would love to hear from you. You can connect with me at Christabel Braden on Instagram or Facebook or at Hope After Head Injury on both Instagram and Facebook. We also have a Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash Hope After Head Injury. I'd love to see you in there. We'd love to get to know you a bit. And by the way... We actually recorded a video version of this episode, and so if you want to see the video, you can go to youtube.com slash Christabel Braden, and that will be up shortly, and you can see us talking on video to hear the conversation with Bridget. So thanks for listening, and let's go ahead into the conversation. I am here with Bridget, and her website is called Being Bridget, and she is a amazing, nutritionist, functional, all sorts of good stuff. So welcome. Welcome, Bridget. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be able to talk with you. I was telling her before we started the recording, I'm one of her fans. I love following her on Instagram.
1: Yeah, (laughs) Um, so I'm happy to support all the work that you're doing. And thanks so much for the kind words and for following the information that I put out into the world.
0: Yeah, it's honestly life-changing, the stuff you're talking about, you know, the way that we can look at food and the mindset that we can have about it and the way it affects our health. It's huge, but it's something that people don't always think about,
1: Yeah, it's often forgotten and not even forgotten, but really just not addressed. To be honest, people aren't really taught how to create health in their bodies, especially after traumatic brain injuries or after uh, any kind of health struggle that people have. Typically, the solution is to put Band-Aids on it, and that's what the healthcare system has trained everyone to do. And it makes it seem like anytime that you ask your doctor or practitioner, oh, can I change my diet? Does this have anything to do with my diet? And the answer typically that most... Most people get in a conventional medicine setting is no that nutrition has nothing to do with your condition, and so I think that when we're taught that by the authorities on health um, slash medicine, really that it creates this downward message that no nutrition you don't need to change what you're doing. Um, I've had. I've had rheumatologists tell their patients that they should continue drinking Coca-Cola because they're losing too much weight by following an anti-inflammatory diet that I recommended, even though their symptoms for their rheumatoid arthritis were improving. And there's other ways, of course, that you can prevent weight loss, like avocados and other sources of healthy fats that you can really ramp up in a person's diet. Um, It's really, you know, there's a mixed message that's coming into the play or into the mix. And I think that more and more people are starting to wake up to say, no, this isn't actually how we can help to ourselves to feel best that um, the more and more people that are exposed to what the truly life-changing experience like you and I have had that wakes you up to say, wow, there's a better way of doing it. And I have to be the person that's responsible for my own health. And I have to step into this power and learn how to protect my brain health, to protect my gut health. I have to learn how to manage my stress levels so that stress isn't eating away at me and leading me to eat all these foods in my pantry late at night and making me feel tired and not wanting to work out at night and then impairing my ability to sleep well. It's like when people come to me with these kinds of symptoms i'm like well based on what you're doing it's no wonder that you feel horrible like i would never expect you to feel good because nothing that you're doing is really creating health so um so yeah i'm really excited to be here and excited to talk more about the the truly life-changing power that changing your diet can have on your life
0: yeah that's amazing So you were sharing with me a little bit on your own story into getting into nutrition. Can you share a little bit of that with our listeners?
1: Yeah, I'd love to. So um, when I was, it was in 2005 that I was diagnosed with uh, narcolepsy and, um, having I was falling asleep at every single moment of the day um, as a teenager I wasn't able to stay awake in classes my GPA it happened really overnight. my GPA went from I was like an honor society to being a 2.0 teachers calling my house saying that I was lazy and I couldn't stay awake for anything. Um, I ran track and cross country and would fall asleep um, in between interval trainings that we would do in the grass in the three minute breaks that we would have at our practices. And I was also, I had developed these mini seizures that are called cataplexies that I would get about 30 times a day. So I was diagnosed with narcolepsy uh, 14 years later, we um, the research finally confirms that the version that I have is an autoimmune neurological disease. Mm-hmm. And um, so it really makes sense why a lot of the dietary changes helped me so much with my own health and the way that your gut and your brain function together in, in that aspect. And I ended up being told by my doctor that there was nothing that I could do from a nutrition standpoint. My parents were super progressive and took me to a functional medicine doctor in 2005. And um, it changed my life. So much of my quality of life came back. I became like a living existing human compared to just you know um, sleeping throughout my entire day and um, just felt so much better that I realized when I was... 15 that I was going to become a dietitian and help more people realize that food is everything. I mean, I remember I did my senior high school project in 2007 on food as medicine. And um, I had this like box of Irwin rice cereal that had on the side of it, like food fuels your health. And I remember just trying to like tell people at that time, food is so much more than calories and the other things that you're thinking of it as, which is, of course, um, it wasn't necessarily something that people really understood at that time. So it's been so amazing to see more and more people experience the life changing transformation that can have when you really dive into nutrition and how many factors it influences in your health.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. And thank you so much for sharing your story. I'm so sorry that you went through that. But I'm so glad to hear that it was able to spark a passion and a way to help other people. That's just beautiful in finding your purpose in that.
1: Yeah, you know, I think that, I think that so many of us experience that some of our worst life experiences actually become that point of awakening that we need in order to um, to change the trajectory of our life, and so that certainly has been it for me. Even though I still sometimes struggle with my energy and have been, you know, a functional medicine patient for literally 15 years, constantly running tests on myself and figuring out how I can optimize different areas. It's also one of the greatest things that's ever happened because I would never be doing what I. I'm doing today, and I think that it's always important to look at unfortunate life circumstances from a place of what can I learn rather than um, rather than why why did this happen to me?
0: Yeah, I love that, and as you know, I'm a survivor of traumatic brain injury, and our listeners are all either brain injury survivors themselves or family members or parents uh, that have a kid that's had a brain injury or a spouse or somebody like that, and so. One of the reasons that I really wanted to bring you on here was that in my own journey, my brain injury was in 2007, and it wasn't until the last couple years that I really learned the power of nutrition and the power of food and the way that you can eat can help to reduce inflammation. And by changing things in my diet, my headaches have improved a ton. My brain fog is better since I've cut out gluten. And there's just a lot of different things. I've been paying attention to ingredients and trying to eat whole foods and not eating, you know, fake stuff and, you know, looking at the ingredient list, which as a brain injury survivor, that can be overwhelming too, because like it's overwhelming to even just go in a grocery store and be, you know. So knowing what you're looking for is like number one. But I digress. So
1: that well, was so true. I can't imagine <laughs> going in and trying to change your diet after surviving a brain injury and feeling just like it's difficult to motivate yourself and to feel. um, feel like you're understanding what's happening around you from a cognition standpoint.
0: Yeah. Like it's hard to just get through the day. Yeah. And so for those listening, I have a couple questions. I would love to first, you know, whether the person listening is a survivor themselves or whether they're a family member, they're listening because they want to learn about this. And so can you share a little bit on just what impact nutrition has on the health of our brain?
1: Yeah. Um, So I think that when it comes to brain health, there's a few different things that nutrition can do. But one thing that's really important is decreasing neuroinflammation that's happening after a brain injury. So we think about inflammation that's happening in your body, which is your immune activation to uh, foreign invaders that's meant to really protect you. But then once something happens that, um, you know, like high exposure, brain injuries, those kinds of things, it's your immune system's way of trying to keep you alive and to protect you that can really create this vicious cycle of chronic inflammation when it's no longer an acute scenario where it's trying to um, help with a specific injury, becomes chronic. And when a person has an underlying dietary history of more inflammatory foods, lots of stress, not not a lot of movement, poor sleep, and then they have a brain injury, they're going to be more uh, predisposed from some of the Um, Choices probably prior to that injury of having higher levels of neuroinflammation, which is inflammation of your brain and something that your body is designed to try to use to protect you, but really can create this cascading effect of increasing cytokine production and other things that can lead to more of a, a lot of the symptoms that people have typically with brain injuries. So I would say that the first role that nutrition can have is, Um, well, there's lots of roles that nutrition can have, even just when you think about eating enough fat in your diet, given that the majority of your brain is fat and requires fat in order to really fuel itself properly. Um, I would say that that would probably be number one, but then two, from a micronutrient and antioxidant perspective this can help to meaning the foods not thinking about food so much as how many calories am i eating per day and instead thinking about what are these underlying nutrients that i'm getting into my diet that my brain really needs and that my whole system needs to lower inflammation and i think that the important thing is that you know the way that conventional medicine approaches the body is that it's all these disconnected parts, that it's just your brain that you need to be focusing on, when really it's the nutrients that you're feeding your entire body because all of your your entire system is connected in one way or another. Um, you're one connected organism, not just a bunch of separate parts, which is something that you know I've learned in my functional medicine training and through some of my functional medicine mentors. So I think that's feeding the body, the entire body with nutrients like these antioxidants and micronutrients that help to drive down inflammation um, can really be powerful. And then the third way, so the first way would be eating enough fats. The second way would be getting enough of these antioxidants and micronutrients. And then the third way that I would say is um, supporting your gut microbiome because we know that there's such a close connection between your gut and your brain. Really the gut is the epicenter of your brain health. And if you have any traumatic injuries, a lot of times because of the connection that happens through the vagus Nerve and the signals that are sent from your brain to your gut and from your gut to your brain. Injuries can lead to a lot of GI symptoms as well. So it's really common for these things to be connected. And I think that usually we'll view them as two separate things happening when really it's the same. When you heal your gut, you're better able to heal your brain. And when you start to focus on the nutrients that heal your brain, it helps to improve the health of your gut. So, and then hopefully helps to decrease some of those GI symptoms. So I think that those would be the three primary aspects.
0: Wow. That's, you know, it was so long before I realized or, or learned about the way that the gut and the brain were connected, but it should make sense because num- the number one thing, like when somebody gets a concussion is they get nauseous and they start throwing up and that's exactly. like your symptom. So like when people first get in the acute stage, you know, right after the brain injury, usually there is nausea or vomiting that comes with a concussion but I never thought about, I was having a lot of gut issues and I had no idea that it could be related to, oh, I've had multiple brain injuries. <laughs> maybe, maybe that is that. And my doctor had no, like my doctor didn't address the connection at all. And it wasn't something I learned until I started to learn about functional approach. And so I appreciate you sharing that as well, because The gut and the brain connection is something that is important, really important.
1: No, you're right. And even just like hearing you say that from your own story, it's like, think of how many years of unnecessary suffering happens when we don't integrate nutrition as the primary like cornerstone of the intervention. You know, it's, I just, it's so disheartening that people have to struggle for so many years like you did um, without anyone you know, you like stumble upon the information somehow because you find someone like Dr. Um, Daniel Amen, who's been an amazing pioneer in the space that I am like, I think is just such
0: a She's incredible, <laughs> perfect
1: person to be in the world. Um, Dr. Mark Hyman, who, you know, was talking about some of these things in his book so long ago, the Ultramind solution, and um, so many others that have really tried to move this information forward, um, who are sometimes looked upon by conventional medicine as being, uh, you know, whatever they call them, not evidence-based and other things, other accusations, but really the more and more research that's coming out, the more that all of the, all of the ideas, the common sense principles that are integrated into functional medicine are being demonstrated in research. So, um, it's really exciting time that hopefully in the future, people won't have to suffer for as long as you did.
0: Yeah. And I think part of it, too, with having a brain injury is when you're that level of exhausted and when you're that confused, eating processed foods is just easier Mm -hmm. because you don't have the energy to cook. So just putting a frozen meal in or, you know, I, I think one of the things that I would love some tips on or encouragement is how... First of all, how can we eat to reduce inflammation? But second of all, one of the things that I've realized is if I can learn, uh, like if I can roast veggies and roast a bunch of vegetables like in one day, it doesn't take long, and then maybe save that and then be able to use it throughout the next couple of days. It's something that I can just heat up in the same way that you might do of a frozen meal, you know. But it takes a little bit yeah. of pre-thinking about it or finding finding things that are better for you. But when when you don't realize how important what you're putting into your body is to your brain health, you end up in this cycle of, I'm so exhausted. I'm too tired to cook. I can't do anything. And then so you just eat whatever's there or you just eat whatever's in the pantry or you just buy the easiest things or the comfort food things healthy food can be comfort food too. Um, but, uh, all that to say, like, I feel like so so many people get so overwhelmed that it's hard to understand how can we actually practically eat to reduce inflammation?
1: Yeah, I completely agree. Um, so I would say I love the the idea of the roasted vegetables, and I'm a huge fan of frozen vegetables. You know they have just as much nutrition. They won't. You don't have to pay attention to whether they're going bad or not. You can buy large bags from Costco if you need to, and um, that is really a nice option that people have. And even just making a stir fry, if you don't have roasted, you don't like have time to turn the oven on. You can you know heat up a little bit of avocado oil in a pan and add some frozen vegetables and some frozen shrimp that you get from Trader Joe's or Costco or something like that. And that's a great meal, you know? Um, so you're right. It doesn't have to be rocket science, but I think that unfortunately the, the field of nutrition is just so complex that it's hard for a person to, to know where to start. The top foods that I would recommend that people start to incorporate into their diet for um, for their cognitive health would be, one, berries, because that's an easy thing. You don't have to actually cook them. Um, and <laughs> <That's> they're, <true. laughs> they're you know, so rich in these um, antioxidants, phytonutrients, specifically like anthocyanins that have been shown to help to really protect the brain, um, not only from a brain health injury standpoint, but also even from a dementia and Alzheimer's standpoint. They're one of the foods that are incorporated into um, the recommendations that have, it's called the MIND diet. I'm not sure if you're familiar, but it's a um, one of the Dietary recommendations that's provided by a government study that helps to um, understand the foods that have the most nutrition for preventing Alzheimer's disease and dementia and the way that they're able to protect the brain. So, berries would be an easy one to throw in. You could also get them frozen. You know, I always have a bag of frozen berries in my freezer and you can add them to smoothies. You could just add some almonds, milk, and some protein powder if it's overwhelming and you're just like, how can I get berries in quickly and easily uh, without having to buy fresh all the time since they're also more expensive? That would. Would be a great option. The second one that I would recommend is wild salmon, um, or maybe sardines. But I know that sometimes that's pushing it a little when you're just starting. (laughs) So um, wild salmon does not have to be fresh. You could buy it frozen, and um, you could also buy it canned. So I recommend wild-caught salmon that's BPA free. For people, you could literally just open the can. It has just as many omega-3 fatty acids, which are the nutrient component that really help from a brain health and neuroinflammation standpoint.
0: So for someone who's uh, wondering, like I might be, why wild? Like what's the difference?
1: Yeah. So wild caught salmon compared to farm-raised salmon is going to have more omega-3s, fewer omega-6s. And then it also has fewer uh, like toxic elements like PCBs and other things that are added that I really do think that buying wild salmon is important. Um, But you can buy it frozen in a way to be more cost-effective. You can also buy it canned. And I would recommend Canned salmon over canned tuna because tuna is higher in mercury, and mercury is really a um, can be uh, a neurotoxin to the brain if you have okay. excess levels of it. So, you definitely want to, as you're trying to protect your brain, keep your mercury consumption lower.
0: Okay,
1: so wild salmon, and then the next thing that I would recommend are um, you know, you can also get some of those omega 3 fatty acids from things like chia seeds and ground flax seeds, they, those will also be higher in fiber, which are. Critical for your um, for your gut microbiome, so I would recommend incorporating those. You can just sprinkle some onto you know if you're eating even like cereal or oatmeal or something like that that you can sprinkle onto that would be you know a nice step up from just eating those foods on their own. And then I'd also recommend the extra virgin olive oil. Extra virgin olive oil is one of the most well studied foods that we have in the food supply that has been um, studied for a very long time and demonstrated significant improvements from a brain health standpoint, a cardiovascular standpoint, um, and an overall health standpoint, because they're higher in monounsaturated fats. And they also are high in a bunch of different antioxidants and phytonutrients that help with lowering some of that inflammation. So I'm a big extra virgin olive oil fan. That's great. And then if I had to say any others, I would say, you know, if you could get some kind of vegetables into your diet, whether that's um, through spinach or arugula or kale. Any vegetables are better than no vegetables. So um, so yeah, I think that incorporating them. And I'm, I'm a really big fan of adding a lot of color to your diet. It's something that I talk about. I integrate into every single nutrition lecture that I give because I think that the more variety that you have in the colors, um, since you're, the colors in Indicate the different immune modulating properties of those vegetables or fruits that you're consuming. Each different color has different immune uh, modulating properties. So the just by using the visual cue of saying, do I have more than three colors on my plate? It can really um, tell you whether you're eating foods that are going to help to lower inflammation.
0: That's great. You mentioned tuna, and that being something canned tuna, something to avoid. Are there any other foods that you would recommend avoiding for those who are concerned about their brain health or specifically the brain injured people that are listening?
1: Yeah. um, So I think that, you know, usually what I recommend are short-term therapeutic interventions. So when I say some of the things that I would recommend avoiding, I don't necessarily mean for the rest of a person's life, but if you're trying, if you are in a, in a serious position, one, I'd recommend working with a practitioner, of course, but generally speaking, what um, you can try to really do that would make, Uh, an impact is really limiting added sugar intake, refined flours. That would be things like um, anything that starts with enriched flour on the label would mean that it's refined, meaning that it's stripped of the outer grains or the outer layers um, and to more void of naturally occurring nutrients that are synthetically added back into the flour. Um, And then I'd also recommend avoiding vegetable oils, things like safflower oil, sunflower oil, soybean oil, corn oil, literally like all of the oils that are used in the majority of the food supply in the United States, because they're the cheap oils that companies can add um, that are, you know, the most inexpensive. So um, those would be three big ones. And then, yeah, high mercury fish, I would recommend avoiding. And honestly, um, because of the connection between your gut and your brain, I do, if I'm working with someone that has a brain injury, I will always recommend that they avoid gluten. I don't necessarily think that everyone needs to be gluten-free, but I think that, you know, a lot of times what can happen is a Person develops leaky gut. It can lead to leaky brain because we know that some of these, um, the way that the, I don't, I don't know how to say it without sounding like so nerdy, but the way that the zonulin levels impact the separation between the the lining of the gut barrier happens in the same way in the blood-brain barrier, and gluten is one of the foods that has been shown to increase the separation of those gaps and you want it to be very intact, no separations or holes, that really helps to decrease inflammation. So for maybe for a short-term intervention, a person would want to try a gluten-free diet. And I'd also recommend really, really limiting alcohol intake, because alcohol is hard on the brain.
0: Yeah. Wow. You know, you explained that really well. I actually enjoyed it. I don't think it was too nerdy at all. <laughs> <laughs> I, I cut out gluten as of this past June. And so I'm going on, I guess, about six months being gluten free. Wow. And do you feel better? I do. It took a little bit. It wasn't an instant thing, but yeah. I've noticed less headaches and I've noticed less brain fog. It'll still come, especially when the weather changes and the barometric pressure changes. I tend to get headaches, like pretty bad. So I'll still have headaches, and I'll, I'll still have certain symptoms that I'll deal with. But I've noticed an improvement enough that I don't want it anymore. <laughs> because, right. and I, I've, I have noticed the difference.
1: Yeah. That's, I think that ends up um, for people becoming like the difference between whether they continue or they don't. If, um, if you really feel the difference and you're like, this is just not worth it to me to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think that feeling good should be the priority. And sometimes that unfortunately means not including foods in our diet as a form of self-care and, you know, really boundaries with food. I'm not trying to encourage disordered eating or, you know, know, excessive food rules that don't need to be in place. But for many people, they need to have boundaries with the foods that they're eating if they want to feel really good. Sometimes you might eat something that makes you feel bad. Um, And for people that have really great health that don't know what it's like to have reactions to foods and those kinds of things, Neurological symptoms, too, then it's easy to say, oh, well, just, you know, feel you eat it and just don't feel good for a while. But For a lot of people that I work with, they choose to just want to feel good overall um, rather Mm -hmm. than eating some of those things. And It's not to say that you need to judge foods as good or bad, but I really think that um, choosing foods that are more optimal and less optimal is the mindset shift that I try to encourage people adopt, that it's um, not about placing labels and judgments. It's more about just choosing foods that are in your own best interest that are going to make you feel more optimal, and then choosing fewer of the less optimal foods that are going to make you uh, feel Feel worse.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I actually had this like moment yesterday. So I actually. I I started roasting green beans from something I saw on your Instagram story. You had oh, posted yeah. like green beans and then with like avocado oil spray and um like nutritional yeast and salt and a couple of things. And I screenshotted it <laughs> and then I um like it was months ago. It was a while ago. And I um saved it and I had been ever since then making roasted veggies like that. And yesterday, oh good, right, isn't it? Yeah, and it's so easy. You just put them in the oven and you just kind of let it do its thing for however much time it's not a lot of prep but I was like mom I have to get avocado oil spray Bridget said that you should use this (laughs) so I got some but um I made like for lunch I made roasted veggies um a bunch of peppers and onions on one tray and then I did broccoli and green beans on the other tray and then I heated up like a. it was it's like an organic rice pack it's like a 90 second rice pack in the microwave (laughs) it's just easy for me Um, but it was ancient grains and quinoa And then I put that in the bottom and I put all the veggies and then I put avocado. And after I ate it and I was like, afterwards, I said to my mom, I was like, I feel so good after I eat like that. Like, I like feeling good after I eat. It's been like a recent like, wow, I can actually feel great after I eat and not feel like full and gross and you know, it's sloggy. It's not even, yeah. Right. And like
1: curled up in a ball and with like yeah. abdominal distension and pain, like I used to have. Yeah. It's like, yeah. that is the normal way to live. Yeah. Or <laughs> even just like
0: being used, I was used to getting bloated after I'd eat a meal. I just thought that was normal.
1: Like yeah, people I didn't normalize how bad they feel every day. And I really think that um, it's not until you feel good that you realize how bad you felt.
0: Yeah. And I love what you were saying about how, we sometimes use food as like coping, you know, people will go to ice cream or they'll go to sugar or they'll go to like cheese or something savory, depending on the person. But, um, I tried your Reese's peanut butter, not Reese's, your peanut butter cup recipe yeah, that you posted at Halloween. And I, I made it and I've made it a couple of times since then. And my whole family loves it. And I love that there are alternative ways to still like, this is a chocolate peanut butter treat that you can enjoy. And and she has a great recipe for this on her website. Um, that's where I found it, but that you can enjoy. And I, I don't feel awful after I eat it either.
1: <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Yeah. It's not about saying never enjoy food again. Like there's plenty of foods that you can still enjoy. There's plenty of desserts that are still, you know, great to eat, but it's just about not allowing the food system to continually hijack your health and your quality of life day after day after day.
0: Yep. I love that. So before you go, are there any last words of encouragement you might have to our listeners or just things about how can they begin to just shift their mindset and be encouraged that this can help them?
1: Yeah, um, I would say, you know, just like, don't give up. Um, I, I think that it's important to have hope and to um, know that there's a better way of, of living and feeling. And um, it's not always easy and it, it never is easy. Um, there's new struggles as you continue to advance in your health journey. But I think that, you know, choosing to invest in yourself when you don't feel your best, that that's the most important time to really try anything possible uh, whether that's just eating you know a half of a cup of cauliflower or um you know not going to Chick-fil-A or something like that because you know that you could um you know make a quick stir fry at home those kinds of things that they just really start to add up and create so much consistency and and um like that domino effect over time
0: yeah that's great well thank you so much for taking the time and your yeah, website is so being
1: yeah, right. com. It's uh, B-E-I-N-G. And then my name is spelled B-R-I-G-I-D. So that's like rigid with a B at the front of it. It's not the most <laughs> traditional.
0: <laughs> all right. And then you can follow her on Instagram as well. And she has a lot of great resources and articles on her website on different topics. And she's done a lot of interviews. And so definitely check her out if you want to learn more about all this stuff. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you so much for coming. And I'll put those links in the show notes so that people can easily access them as well.
1: Okay, awesome. Thanks so much.
0: All right, thank you. Thank you for listening to Hope Survives Brain Injury Podcast. I hope this episode was able to encourage you in some way. To get in touch with me, you can connect on social media. The page Hope After Head Injury on Facebook does have a message option if you'd like to message me. You can also connect with me on Instagram at Christabel Braden is my page, and at Hope After Head Injury is the Hope After Head Injury page. My website, Christabelbraden.com or hopeafterheadinjury.com, as well as join our support group on Facebook, All the links will be in the show's description, and we hope to see you next time on Hope Survives.